0: Go ahead and have a seat. Well, everybody, we made it. It's daylight saving time. All is right in the world. Uh, Gosh, that does not feel true, does it? (laughs) But this feels good right now. The sun being out right now. uh, I actually was really behind today because I forgot that the time changed. And I just was tracking the day by where the sun was at. And uh, at like 4.30, I was like, oh, man. Ooh, we got some stuff to do, so much so that I literally realized during that last song that I forgot to print out the <laughs> uh, uh, the passage that I'm teaching on tonight, uh, which would have been really interesting. I would have been like, let's all read together. Mm. Anyway, uh, you know, right a couple hours ago, I actually saw that the Senate made a bill to just make daylight saving time permanent, which is like the greatest thing I've ever heard, especially for Senate, the Senate to do. I can't believe, like, I hope that it actually happens. I doubt that it will because they don't ever do anything that makes sense and it's just good for everyone. So uh, we can be hopeful though, right? Wow. No. Okay. Um, so before we get started tonight with the, the talk, I wanted to uh, let you guys know, um, I sent this out in an email this morning, but you may not have seen it. Uh, when we move in two weeks, uh, that is going, we're going to uh, take a break from the live stream at that point. Um, We're doing this for a couple of reasons. Some are practical, some are just, uh, not just, some are theological and what we believe is true about church. Uh, Practically, uh, the layout of the new space is a little bit different and a live stream operator would, it's going to be difficult to have them in the same room as us with the way that they've set things up and we don't currently have uh, the volunteers or some of the equipment that we would need to make that happen at a quality level. But beyond that, we feel like this is a good time to kind of re-embrace being an embodied group, being an embodied church together. Uh, Being online is is fantastic when it is something that supplements or augments a weekly embodied gathering. And now that uh, it feels quite a bit more safe to meet together uh, physically, we feel like it's a good idea for us to encourage that uh, by taking a break from the live stream for a while. So I, I went into much more depth in the email. You can read about it there. If you uh, want to talk about that decision, I'm happy to talk with you about that. I know that affects different people in different ways, and I want to hear from you. Okay, that being said, let's get into this, this passage tonight. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know who doesn't feel this way right now, but I feel like there's just this haze over everyone in existence right now. There's just like this malaise. Um, Everyone that I talk to right now, and I certainly feel this myself, there's this sort of exhaustion and apathy and fear, which is very understandable after the last two years. I think we're all just waiting for the next domino to fall. It felt like uh, in many ways it didn't start here, but we kind of right now think about COVID being the beginning, which is weird to think about, the beginning of everything getting really hard And then we had all sorts of racial tension, and then a weird election, and then um, stuff around the world is going insane. There's inflation. It feels like we're right on the edge of World War III, and it just feels like what is the next thing that's gonna happen? It makes it really, really hard to uh, press into anything right now because we're all just trying to survive. We're isolated, we're disconnected, we're skeptical and distrustful of each other and and any authority, and it can feel like we're just watching everything disintegrate in real time. And I think Jesus' words in this passage that we're going to read tonight provide us a source of hope in this cultural moment that we find ourselves in, a sense of hope and a a sort of um, refocusing of our purpose. So tonight, we're going to be looking at John chapter 14, uh, verses 1 through 27, which is a big chunk, but you're going to do great. Uh, I just want to recap where we are. Um, Last week, we talked about Jesus washing his disciples' feet, Um, Jesus taking the posture of a slave to show his disciples how much he loves them, even though he knows one of them is about to just literally betray him in the worst way, and all of them are about to abandon him, and he still shows them how much he loves them and then tells them, I want you to love one another the way that I've loved you. What we didn't cover is, is right after what we read last week, uh, Jesus confronts Judas and sort of gen- sends Judas on his way to do what he's going to do. And also confronts Peter and tells Peter, like, you are talking a big game right now, but you're about to literally deny that you even know me. Not once, not twice, but three times. And so both of these things happen in secession. These people who have been together for three years, who are the tightest knit group that you can imagine... One of their people is just gone because they found out that he's betraying their leader. And then they've heard like the second in command of this group is basically going to pretend like he has no idea who anyone is in a few hours. They're kind of reeling from this information. And that's where we pick up in chapter 14. And it starts like this. Okay, good. I printed out the right part. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said, this is one of my favorite things in scripture. I don't know why. I just love that. Like, if I heard Jesus say that, I'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, man. And That's exactly what Thomas says. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will, be with, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, there were two Judases. This was the one that didn't betray him, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them, and we will come to make them we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words that you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I know that that was a lot. It's a lot to take in all at once. And, uh, there's a lot going on here. You know, Jesus says, I'm going away to make a home for you, but then I'm going to come back and get you and you're going to move in with me. But then later he says, God and I are coming to move into you, but also we're sending the Holy Spirit to move in with you because I won't be here anymore. It's kind of confusing, right? Also, he talks about like, if you do what I say, then you prove that you love me. And if you don't do what I say, then you don't love me. There's just a lot going on here. And it can feel like uh, there's, there's a lot of disconnected, confusing, sometimes contradictory thoughts. But I think there's actually a single thread, a single cohesive message here that I want to attempt to present tonight. And sort of the way that I have made sense of this is starting at the end and working our way back through. Um, so, So in this message, Jesus is preparing his friends for his physical absence. He's preparing them for what does it look like for you to continue on when I'm not here anymore. He talks a lot about what obedience looks like, what true obedience looks like. And he he says this line near the end. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And I think this is sort of a very loosely kind of nod towards the way that the world operates when it comes to obedience. He, He is referring to most likely the Pax Romana, which is what everyone would have instantly heard when they heard like the world's sense of peace. Basically, that was how Rome kept order. So the way that the world conceives of obedience is, Rome is a perfect metaphor for that. Obedience is forced. It's coerced. You obey because you're scared that otherwise you and your family will be hurt or the people that you care about and love will be hurt or killed. That's what the world conceives. That's how the world conceives of obedience. But Jesus here is is saying Obedience to me is the natural outcome of love for me. Two very different ideas about obedience. One is I rule you because I'm threatening you. One is you listen to what I say because you love me and you trust me, and you know that I want what's best for you He says if you do if you don't love me, you're not going to do what I say, which makes perfect sense right like if someone came, if someone that you don't know or don't trust or don't love tells you to do something you're probably not going to be like, yes, I will absolutely do that. But on the flip side of that, if someone loves you and they ask you to do something, it is so much easier to do that thing in that context. It's like, of course I'll do that for you. I love you. I trust you. Why wouldn't I do what you say? So Jesus says, if you love me, the natural outcome of that will be you keeping my commands. And what does Jesus command? We talked about this last week. There is famously only one command that Jesus gives in this entire gospel. He gives more in the other gospels, but in this gospel of John, there's only one command that Jesus gives the entire time. It's what we talked about last week. Love one another as I have loved you. In doing so, if you remember from last week, Jesus says you will reveal God, you will reveal God's love to the world. The world will come to know who God is through the ways that you love one another. And as you do so, Jesus continues on this thought, as you do so, you will become more and more aware of this mysterious indwelling of the Holy Spirit and also of the Father and of Christ. This, this indwelling of the triune God inside of you. God inside of you, you inside of God, which is a mystery that I'm not even going to try to begin to explain. But there's the sense that as you experience God's love and as you keep his commands by spreading that love onto other people, you become more and more aware of God in everything. God in you, you in God, which allows you, here's the kicker. It's right in the middle of this passage. This is what I think the whole point is. This will allow you to do greater things than Jesus ever did. He just kind of sneaks that line in there. That's an insane thing for someone who has done such incredible things as Jesus to say. Like, you guys thought what I did was cool, but you can do even greater things than that. This is what I think the headline of the entire passage that we just read is. It is the birthright of all daughters and sons of God to do great things in his name. To do great things to reveal God to the world to do great things to love as you have been loved. So the question that I want you to think about tonight, and maybe for the rest of Lent, and maybe for the rest of your life, is what is the great act of love that you have been uniquely created to do? Because I would offer that that is what our world our state, our city, or just even just our church desperately, desperately needs right now. It feels like societally and culturally, the bar could not be lower. <laughs> like I said at the beginning, like we're all fearful and, and apathetic and exhausted. We're just waiting for the next domino to fall. We're just trying to survive. In this time when it feels like we're watching everything disintegrate right before our eyes, we desperately need to experience the love of Christ. We desperately need love. We desperately need the startling, surprising, scandalous love that we talked about last week that points us back to the ground of all being, the creator and sustainer of the cosmos, the ultimate, the most ultimate reality. That's what we need to pull us out of this malaise that we find ourselves in. And it's what we're meant to do. It is the birthright of all daughters and sons of God to do great things in His name. What is the great act of love that you have been uniquely created to do? And how can you do that here? That's part of, that's not part of, that's our entire, like, that's why we exist, to love one another as we have been loved. And in doing so, reveal Christ's love to the world. Maybe you don't know what that looks like for you. Guess what? We're a small church. This can be a place where you test out and try things out. What are the ways that you've been uniquely designed that you can love other people through? For instance, Dan bears, sorry, Dan, I'm going to give you some attention. And you're not going to like it. Uh, Dan doesn't like attention. Dan loves making food. Dan loves making other people feel valued by spending time preparing a meal for them and then having a conversation o- over a meal that he has prepared for them, which is a beautiful and delicious expression of love. And so intentional and so simple at the same time. And so Dan has been trying to find ways that he can bring that to our community. Dan's great at facilitating conversations. So he said, can we start some kind of group where we can just talk every single week? And that's where Friday morning coffee came from. That wasn't my idea, that was Dan's idea. It can be simple, easy things. It doesn't have to be some huge, grandiose expression that just like Totally wears you out, especially right now. Simple acts of love go a long way right now. And this is a safe community to kind of test the waters out in. What is the great act of love that you've been uniquely created to do? I can't answer that for you. I wish that I could that'd actually be pretty great. That'd be a great job to have. I can tell you, here's your gift and here's how you should use it. There are probably people that can do that. We should find some of those. Anyway, (laughs) that would be a great way for them to use their gifts to spread love in our community. But this is what I, I really want us to wrestle with for the next few weeks. And I hope you're up for the challenge with me. That's all I have tonight. I feel like it's simple. When I first read this passage, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. And I remember, we we actually talked about this last year, this very passage, which I'd forgotten about, but I had literally just brought home a newborn like the week before. So I feel like I can get off the hook for that. I think it's an amazing thing that Jesus says, you will do greater things than me. I think we should take that seriously. I think we should take seriously that, that it is what we were made to do to love one another as we have been loved by God. We pray with me? God, thank you for reminders of what you, what purpose you've given us individually and as a community. Thank you for the gifts that you have given each one of us. I pray that we can be creative and courageous in figuring out ways to leverage what you've designed us to do, to uniquely love one another, and in doing so, reveal who you are to a world that desperately, desperately, desperately needs to feel your love, that desperately needs to hear that they have a purpose and that it is far greater than themselves. And that is the most worthwhile thing in the world, which is glorifying you. We love you, God. Amen.